This is your coffee break. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Sarah. You guys, today I have my very, very good friend and mentor, Melissa Johnson. I've talked about her on this podcast before. Maybe she knows that. Maybe Aww, she doesn't. Yes. Okay, You're good. sweet. <laughs> she is someone that I look to for advice and wisdom and no pressure, of course. Here, let me <laughs> let me just like build you up. Like I was going to say you're building me up way too much here. <laughs> oh, but I've talked before about how important it is to have someone like Melissa in your life, whether you're a writer or any other kind of creative. And her relationship with me has just been invaluable. And Aww, so, thank you. Oh my gosh, no, thank you. I feel the same way, truly. Okay, so what I'm doing right now is I'm holding up my hands in like a little heart uh, formation. Air hearts, air hearts. Love it. Love it. <laughs> this afternoon, I think I sent you like all the heart yes. emoji and picked all of them that I possibly could find, but particularly the ones with the sparkles on them because that's kind of me. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Melissa has such an interesting, I don't want to say an interesting history because that sounds a little weird, but like no, you've, you've done so many cool things with your life and all of them have been deeply creative. Not from... all of them, but you know, <laughs> I mean, there was that school bus driver dispatch position that wasn't terribly creative, but um, you know, is Joe Mahoney drive, riding the bus today? No? All right, we'll keep going. You know, that wasn't terribly creative, but... <laughs> I guess, I guess. But, but anyway. But you still have that spark about you. You're one of those people who lives creatively. Thank you. And Oh my gosh. And and it's just, I think one of the reasons that your life has been so interesting, because you're always going for new things and new experiences, and you're looking for new ways to enhance your life and the lives of others around you. So I want to talk a little bit about being creative and living creatively. And all this is a big wind up to say, Melissa, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, all right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, my day job is I own a gourmet cupcake company. And so uh, we started about six and a half years ago. It's called Oh My Cupcakes. Our website is ohmycupcakes.com. Go check it out. Mm. We uh, got our name because in our, just a little side note, in our house, we just don't take God's name in vain. And so it was all, you know, oh my goodness, oh my stars, oh my word, oh my. And I was obsessing over cupcakes at the time. So my little five-year-old started to say, oh my cupcakes. And I thought, how adorable. Like, and so, so I called my graphic designer who was already working on our branding. And I said, could we change our name? We were going to be Cupcake Days. And instead oh. I said, could we change our name to Oh My Cupcakes? And she's like, yeah, all it is is a, a text change. And so we changed our name at the last minute and the rest is history. So uh, we started with $67 and, you know, like a big dream. And now we're uh, 25 Cupcake Ninjas strong. <laughs> so we have a really big family there and uh, we ship nationwide. And it's, it's really fun. Like cupcakes are creative and fun. But uh, six and a half years in, all right. I'm ready for a new challenge. I'm ready for a little something different. And so uh, we also just added a new business, a sister company called Oh My Word. So, ha ha, low co-branding there. Um, and it is a upscale stationery store. And so we're really excited about that as well. So that's just launching. And so that's like the business side of me. And then I do have this creative side of me that really says, okay, 
business aside, you've got to do other things too. You've got to you've got to write, you've got to paint, you've got to do all these other things that really fill your soul, that bring sparkle and glitter to your soul. And so I have this uh, little personal practice that I try and uh, try and do every Sunday. I just kind of I always hashtag it Sunday creativity, but every Sunday I try and do some creative endeavor, whether it's journaling, whether it's you know art journaling or painting a canvas or crafting something I've never done before. But so that's one little side of me and then um last winter i wrote a book too and oh my gosh. so it just came out uh, it's called fingers in the frosting god's hand on the creation of all my cupcakes and it's really kind of the story of our cupcake journey but also really meant to be a guide. Like if you have a dream, it doesn't matter. It's not about cupcakes. Like where we got has nothing to do with cupcakes. It has everything to do with our foundation and not only our values, but kind of the steps we took along the way, knowing our worth, knowing our strengths, knowing our boundaries. And so I share some tips in there and it's sort of like a how-to guide that if you have a dream, you can do it. You can absolutely do it in your own unique and creative way. I love this. I have to tell you, I, I was going to see Star Wars okay. when it first came out. And we got there early and we were standing in line. And of course, we were the only people there because we were like two and a half hours early for this like <laughs> 9.30 p.m. showing. I I'm love like, it. It was like a Tuesday night. It was Perfect. like eh, the theater wasn't even full when we saw it. And it was like the opening week. I love it. But I had your book with me. Oh, you you read my book while you were waiting in line at <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. I did. That makes me so happy. <laughs> and what I love about it is it's interactive. Thank you. It is interactive. So I, I was like, oh, I need a pen for this book. And so I went through and like your questions are, what drives you? What are your values? Where do you see, you know, yourself going? Where do you, and I was just like, oh, this is awesome. And so I passed the time very easily. Thank you. Good. Well, interacting with your book in line at Star Aww, Wars. Awesome. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's a great compliment. Well, cool. So Melissa, you have this, you have this business and you have this creativity and this passion and so you decided to write a book about your business. But <laughs> before that, you had been you had done some writing before that as well. Is that correct? You know, I knew from the time I was five years old that I wanted to be a writer. I always, uh, you know, I would work all these different jobs throughout my entire life. In fact, side note, I did a writing exercise where it was how many jobs have you had in your life? List them all and list like some of the most valuable things you took from them. Sarah, I've had 27 jobs in my life. <laughs> it's like totally nothing to be proud of, Russ, right? I mean, it was just, yeah, 27 jobs. But I always knew throughout all of them that I was supposed to be a writer. And so these jobs are just sort of like my sideline thing, you yeah. know? But this is my purpose, if if you will, in life. And so, so writing the book sort of came natural. I had been doing some writing projects prior to that. Um, there's a gentleman named John Gordon. His website is johngordon.com, J-O-N. Um, but it's johngordon.com and I had been uh, writing with him and speaking uh, on behalf of his company for a few years already and just really knew that while it's great to write for somebody else and I'm always thrilled with the opportunity there is nothing like writing for yourself about something which you are inherently passionate and so empowering people and building them up and letting them know that this dream is something that they could accomplish no matter what their dream is, that's why I knew that I wanted to write this book. And, um, you know, not the not the cliche phrase like to help people, but just to show them that it's like I'm just a regular person and I'm just a regular person who started out just kind of wanting to make cupcakes and make people feel a certain way, make people feel joy and feel all these things when they walked in our door. So it's a little bit about our journey. 
I guess. I love that. I love that. And do you feel like, okay, ready? I'm going to have a pun. Okay. Okay. Got it. Do you feel like you've baked in cupcake pun? Oh my gosh, that was the worst. It's awesome. Do you feel, do you feel like you've baked in sort of that same feeling when people walk into your cupcakery versus when they open your book? Yes. And the greatest compliment, and I've heard it, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have heard it several times, but the greatest compliment that I have received um, regarding the book is, I feel like I'm sitting down having coffee with you, Melissa. Like friends who know me well that have read it have pointed out specific phrases that I say in normal conversation. And, you know, one thing I think as writers, one thing that's really important to point out is I started writing this book and I started writing it like a writer should write. Tell me more about this. Okay. So I started writing it with correct grammar Mm. and I started writing it with good sentence structure and I started writing well. And then I went back after about four or five chapters. I was well into it. And after four or five chapters, I went, that doesn't sound a thing like me. That's not my heart. That's not who I am. And so I really did kind of go, you know what? I mean, sorry, sorry for lack of a better word, but screw it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to like, this is who I am. This is the way I talk. And so there's tons of times in there where I'll say, oh my gosh, you guys, because that's what I say in normal conversation, right? I remember reading that in, yeah. yep. I say, oh my gosh, you guys, but I want people to just, I wanted people to feel like they were sitting next to me having coffee. And so when that is uh, something that I hear back in, you know, as a, as a comment, It's the greatest comment. It's the greatest compliment. That's amazing. It is. It is. And I always feel like when you're reading a book with an authentic voice, you can tell. It's that much more engaging. And and so, so how did you realize what your voice was? Boy, I'm not. That's a great question. And I'm not even sure if I know how to quantifiably answer that. I think it was writing and knowing what my voice wasn't. Oh my gosh, I love that. Can you tell me a little bit more? So like when you were writing for other people and ghostwriting and... Writing and knowing what my voice wasn't. So doing the ghostwriting has been wonderful, but again, I'm working with someone else's material and I understand clearly the message that they want conveyed. And so I do my best to convey that message. But I understand that their voice is not my voice. And so I have to sort of put myself into their shoes, put myself into their skin, so to speak. And, you know, similar with beginning to write this book and starting it out with, like I said, good sentence structure and writing, you know, correctly and all, all of that. That just wasn't me. I mean... Sarah, I'm as common as a, sh- as a shoestring, right? I mean, like, <laughs> well, honestly, I, I I love glitter and sparkles and all these things. But, I mean, I am kind of a, a, a T-shirt and jeans kind of girl. I mean, I think even I think even my LinkedIn profile says I don't even own a pair of dress pants. And that's true. Like, I'm, I'm much more comfortable in, you know, I love dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I love T-shirts. I love glittery things. I'm not a serious kind of person. And so trying to write serious, it's not me. You're a social person, you're a business person, you're also a writer. And I think there's just stereotypes about writers being these like closeted introverts that like sit up in an ivory tower. Oh, and, right. like, so I, I just, I love that you're sort of outside of that stereotype. Do people ever seem surprised that you're like, oh, you're a writer because you're so like outgoing and bombastic? A little bit, a little bit. I think, I think so. And um, maybe because I also like sparkly things, they maybe question my intelligence a little bit and think, you know, she's a, she's a blonde, sparkly girl, and and so maybe she's. Wait, you write things? You've written a book? 
hold on. And if somebody doesn't know me at all, you own a business and you two mm-hmm. businesses? Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's um it throws people off sometimes. Uh-huh. I want to ask you, okay, you're this incredibly accomplished person. You've been through a lot in your life. You're too kind. Oh my gosh, but it's it's true. It's true. It's wonderfully true and I want people to know that. How how on earth running two businesses, you have you have kids, you have a family. How did you find time to write? Oh goodness. You know, I'm going to be so real right now and let you know a year ago when I wrote the book, I will say that I was able to write that book because I'm surrounded by an incredibly skilled and dedicated group of people who allow me to do the, to follow my own passions. And so at my business, I've got, again, a really great team, management team, and, you know, the employee team, the whole staff is just great. And so they were very supportive and allowed me the time to just, I, I did have that flexibility that that I completely understand not everyone has. I did have that flexibility to take full days off and mm-hmm. sit in a coffee shop and write. So that is sort of like the writer's dream, right? That's it. the holy grail of writing. It is. I mean, I, <laughs> and, is. and like I said, I don't take one second of that for granted. This is a different season in my life right now. Um, We've just purchased this second business, and I have three kids of my own plus a foster daughter who's three years old, and it's a different season in my life right now. And so when I say I'm going to be incredibly real, I will tell you I don't have time to write right now, and boy, can I tell. Boy, can I tell how I'm a little angry. I'm I'm restless. Mm -hmm. I'm a, a little... There are different seasons in your life, and I read such a great quote yesterday. And, you know, it's a quote that I have, uh, boy, I've spewed it to three different people today. But if I would listen to it myself, it might be even better. And the quote is, uh, the deeper the self-love, the greater the self-protection. And I think, in fact, I think I even sent that one to you today. Yes, you did. You texted it to me. I did. And I read it and I nodded. Yes. But then I didn't apply it to myself. No. But I need to do that. And uh, so the the deeper the self-love, the greater the self-protection. And I think of that now. Tonight there's an event that uh, after this podcast there's an event I'm thinking about going to, maybe going to, maybe not going to. And uh, one of my friends, I asked her if she was going. And she said, I'm having a creative day and I am so in the throes of creativity that I'm going to protect this day and I'm going to stay home. And I just, I soaked that in and I thought, she's so brave. That takes bravery to protect that space. And to say, I know there's, you know, five people who want me to come to this event and it would be a really fun event and it would be great to be with everybody, but I need to protect this space right now. And so, you know, I can sit here and I can give the advice to our listeners right now that, boy, do whatever you can to protect that space. But I am admitting also that I need to find ways to apply it. Yeah, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It It is is hard. It's difficult. I love the word choice that you used. You said it takes bravery. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes bravery on two fronts. It takes bravery to, first of all, admit to other people that this is something you want and that you want to do something for yourself, which in our culture I think is really frowned upon. Right. At least, and, and not like... Openly, but I think there's just there's an aura that comes with that. And and secondly, I think it's brave because you're acknowledging to yourself that I am setting aside this time and I'm going to use this time to create. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a fear that comes with that as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. And sometimes when I do set aside time to be creative and then something happens, a little bit of me, a little part of me is, is often a little bit relieved. Mm. I'm like, oh, good. I didn't know what I was going to write anyway. <gasps> 
I'm not so I'm not so accountable to myself anymore because well I have this I have this justification or this excuse over here because something else came up yes see how difficult it is to be a writer I didn't even have the time yes boy I really connected with what you said there too earlier about how you feel when you don't write when you know that it's not good, it's not healthy, that you're not writing. Mm -hmm. And um, being able to recognize that as a season that you just kind of need to get past, but also recognizing that writing is a healthy thing for you. Mm -hmm. Like writing is a necessary thing. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, uh, I know that I have, I've been talking about the book that really inspired me, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. I loved that book. I loved the cover. I love all the color. I love all of the words inside of it. And again, just battle quoting here, throwing out some more quotes. <laughs> but um, there's a great quote in there where she says, if I'm not creating, I'm destroying myself, my relationships, or someone else. And that is that is what I do. I just, if, I mean, your soul needs to create. And if it's not creating, it will find something else to do. I think of my friend Trav, he has a, a puppy and it's a German Shepherd puppy and it's like seven months old. And so it's huge and looks like this grown dog. Right. And he always says, I've got to give him a job or he will find one oh. because this dog destroys everything. I mean, he's ripped gutters off the house. He's oh like he's destroyed everything. And I, I just I love how it, that wisdom of I need to find him a job or he will find one himself. And that's sort of like our creativity. If we don't give our creativity a job, oh, it will find ways to uh, come out. But it sort of comes out sideways. And it Mm -hmm. does. It destroys relationships or it it just, you know, sort of nags at you and pulls at you and makes you restless and angry until you are... uh, poking the bear of somebody else, you yeah. know, and you're you're messing up relationships or you're, you know, just it comes out not in not in good ways. I had that happen to me recently. I'd gone through this period of depression and I was talking with my husband Tim and like we couldn't figure out like why I was feeling a certain way. Long story short, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it has been probably a good 6 months since I've written and it's not just since I've written, but since I've written for myself." Mhm. Because I do a lot of writing at work, and that's sure. fun and it's fulfilling, but writing for yourself is so fulfilling in a different way. Mm-hmm. And actually, I kind of want to ask you about that, too. How did it feel to publish something that was yours? Do you feel mm-hmm. differently about it now that it's published than other things that you've published for other people? Like, how, how does that compare? When I got the first copy and opened up the box, and there they were, this box of books that I had written it was magical. It was. It was, uh, I mean, uh, not to over-dramatize, but it felt like giving birth. I mean, it was, I had created this thing, and it was mine, and it was in the world, and it was, people were going to get to see it, and people were going to, and then all of a sudden, I had this, what if they think the baby's ugly? I had this real, like, all of a sudden, my breath caught, and my heart stopped, and I went, wait, what if everybody hates it? Now it's out there. I mean, now it's really, now it's published. Now it's a real thing. It's not just a Word doc. It's not just sitting on my computer anymore. It's not just pages that I've printed out of my printer at home. It's a real thing. And now it is uh, open to criticism. It's Mm -hmm. open to people's opinion. It's open to all these things. And so it was both incredibly joyful and terrifying. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I can imagine. I'm kind of curious, though. How did you know when it was done? How did you know when it was ready to be sent to the publisher? 
You know, I had, again, created an outline and I knew the points that I really thought were important to hit. And so in this book, the way it's structured, there are 11 things that I think everybody needs to know before they launch their own dream. And so it's funny because even that, I was like, 11 things? 11's not a good number. 10 things. No, come on, 10. No, there's... And it's funny because I started with 10 and I had a couple people read it and said... You know what I'd really like is a chapter on, and that was the chapter I had let out. Yep. That was a chapter I had tried to leave out, and and 11 things is what it was supposed to be, I guess. So sometimes it's not always a perfect number, but uh, so I structured it with an outline first and knew, again, sort of this what it was supposed to look like, how to skeleton I was working from. And then in this particular book, my last chapter is Know Your God. And so when I just was writing and writing and writing, I don't know, there was a finality of, and that's it. It's done. I've said all I need to say in this book, and it's complete. Then there was editing. How was the editing process, dare I ask? Um, You know, pretty painful, but I guess... I remember it being painful in the moments and in the time just because it was such a frustrating, seriously, again, we're going through this again. Mm. But now I look back and I don't really remember. I mean, I remember that it was a painful time, but I don't remember the specifics of that pain. Does that make sense? So like giving birth. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember the specifics of it. So it, yeah. it's fine. It's it's just, um, it's sort of one of those necessary evils that, my goodness, you, you could do it without editing. <laughs> Go ahead and try. But it's not going to be, it's Mm-mm. not going to be anything you're proud of or anything you're excited about or anything, you know. And so yeah. going over it over and over and over again was by far the best way to do it, even though it was frustrating and painful and all that. So I, I'm curious now that you've done this once, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. From the get-go, I've said, this is my first book. Good. And so uh, (laughs) now, and as soon as it was out, it's interesting, as soon as it was out, I sort of felt like, well, this was just a little more on the surface. So it's funny that, you know, I just talked about it being a vulnerable thing and Mm -hmm. that, you know, being open to criticism and things like that. But as soon as it came out, I sort of went, I could go deeper next time. I could reveal a little more of my soul. I could get a little more raw and it would be okay. Tell me more about that and what shielded you in the first place. This book is the story of a business. It's a, it's a business book and a book about dreams and a book about accomplishing dreams and reaching for dreams. But that's like the business side of me. And Mm. I feel like I have so many more stories inside of me. I feel like each and every one of us has so many facets. We have so many pieces to our lives. And, you know, whether it's a book about my childhood, whether it's a book about um, my foster care experience with my foster daughter and that entire journey, there are so many journeys that I could write about. I think the next journey that I write about in book form will be a little bit deeper. And it sounds like it will be, I think you lean more toward the nonfiction side of things just because I do. you have so many rich experiences. And I've told you, um, I know I've shared with you that I've tried fiction a little bit and it's been fun to try. It's not my preferred genre and I don't feel like I'm as good at it. It's just, you know, have you ever written something before and felt like, well, I'm trying this and it feels <laughs> okay, but I don't feel like it's that good. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. me and screenwriting, me me and a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So you've written this book, and and it sounds like you're excited to write another one. I also know that you sort of, not sort of, I also know that you blog um, sort of under the brand of Melissa J. Creative. Yeah. And you kind of have that spinoff brand. I mean, are you going to keep blogging amidst all this? I mean, there's so much going on. You know, and my uh, blog itself is, I'm not terribly good at branding like you are, Sarah. I, I, <laughs> people have their strengths, and I'm sort of all over the place. But it's like it's like my personality, right? I'm everywhere. Uh, my blog itself is believethebestinothers.com. Uh, was a web domain that I always knew I wanted to buy and do something with. And so when I wanted to start a blog, I sort of went, hey, I own that one. Nice. <laughs> Let's start there. Oh, and it's so you. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So um, that's my blog domain or my blog website, I guess. But, you know, I haven't written on it in a while. And I think there is always that challenge Mm. of thinking, well, since I haven't written in a while, do I just take it down? Do I take it down completely? Do I quit that? And there's that nagging voice telling me, maybe you should just quit that because you're not doing that well. But I, again, think this is a season. This is a season that I haven't expected. I haven't expected it to be quite so full right now, (laughs) and it is quite full. And so blogging is something I definitely want to get back to as well. And um, I can't say, here's my steps I'm doing to get back there. I can't give you my action plan or anything like that today. But it's, uh, it's something I... I just don't want to shut that door, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so important as writers that we that we never shut a door, that we never say, oh, I failed at that. You know, I tried NaNoWriMo and I only got seven days in and then I quit. Maybe I should just quit forever. No, just keep going. No matter what it is, just keep going. I love that idea of never permanently shutting the door. Mm-hmm. So I met Melissa, I want to say two years ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. Two or three? Anyway. Anyway, however long it's been. I first met Melissa, I remember this very vividly. I was taking part in a local leadership program, and Melissa was one of the speakers that they called in. And it was, I think, the last session that we were attending. And, And every session was different. There was one about budgeting for a business and... There was one about interacting with coworkers and being a leader in the office and being a servant leader, all that good stuff. Work-life balance. That is the session that okay. I think that's the session I think so. um, that you were in. And there were a lot of really cool, creative people on this panel. And Melissa had this answer to a question that I just will never forget. And the question I asked and the question that has become sort of the central question of this podcast is, okay, I get, you know, work-life balance, but I feel like it becomes really tricky when you add in a third element. Mm -hmm. So now we have work, life, and writing balance Mm -hmm. or work, life, passion, project balance. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember exactly what my question was, but I think it was like, how, how, how do you make this happen? How do you balance these three things? I remember your question very vividly (laughs) as well. Yes. And I remember exactly what I told you. Can you tell us? I do. I remember that I said, uh, find time, get up earlier if you have to, go to bed later if you have to, but do protect your time. And again, here I am saying, I'm not perfect at this either, but protect your time. And Julia Cameron has a great book called The Artist's Way. And The Artist's Way, she talks about writing morning pages. And in morning pages, you write just stream of consciousness 
anything that is on your mind. You write stream of consciousness for like 30 to 45 minutes, but you protect that time. Mm-hmm. And it might be anything from, gosh, my jeans are too tight. Why are my jeans too tight? <laughs> all the way to I've got to stop and pick up cat litter after work. I mean, it's all these things, right? Just whatever comes to your mind. But she says to capture those thoughts first thing in the morning. And she admits, too, that sometimes people need to do it last part of the day because mm-hmm. that's what works for their schedule, but protecting that time. In any case, she says, if you do this over and over, and I have found this as well, you will find patterns that you didn't realize existed in your life. Ooh, tell me more about that. Simple things like if you find yourself saying, why are my jeans so tight? Or if you find yourself saying, man, I feel like crap when I wake up in the morning. Or if you find yourself saying, all I want to do is find some clothes that I feel like I look good in. All of a sudden you might go, hmm, Maybe getting a little healthier is something that I need to look into for myself to take care of myself. But she says you'll find patterns in your writing, in your stream of consciousness thoughts, patterns that you may or may not have even realized existed. Uh, One of my earliest podcast episodes was about my favorite thing about writing, and that is surprising yourself. And that seems like one of the absolute best ways to surprise yourself. Yes, So I absolutely love that. Finding (laughs) patterns in your writing. Tell me, for you personally, what is your favorite thing about writing? Like, what is your favorite part of writing? That's a really great question. And I think the answer to that is when you have these rare and brief moments where something just comes out and you write and write and write and write and your words are coming faster than you can even write them. Yes. And you look back 45 minutes later after you've just been writing and writing and you go, where did that come from? Where in the world did that even come from? And I can bring to mind, you know, two or three specific pieces right now in in my life that I've gone, where were those words from? Where do you think they come from? Um, Oh, I I think it's a voice from God. I think it's in, I'm such an openly spiritual person that, you know, I I have my foundational faith in God, but I'm, I'm very much that whoever you call your God. But I think that, I think that's, I think it's a voice from God. I really do. And I think that he acts as a conduit through us and brings these words to the paper and, you know, through our pen. I love that image. And I love that feeling. Like, I kind of think of it as being in the zone or like some kind of writer's high. For sure. Like, oh my gosh, there is no, you talk, I think you talk to any writer, there is no better feeling than that feeling, but it's so hard to attain. It is. And it just, it does. It comes in little flashes. It comes, it's not, uh, when you said hard to attain, it's, it's not something you can really predict or count on or anything like that. But when it comes, it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful. You've had, I think, a lot of very influential people in your life. Mm -hmm. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received from a mentor? Oh, wow. You ask really great questions. Oh, thanks. I've had a lot of different mentors in my life from peer mentors who are the same age as I am to I love having a diverse cast of characters in my life, you might say. And so I've got uh, women in my life who are just 10 years older than me, some that are 20 years older than me. And I love drawing upon and learning from wisdom and experience. Mm -hmm. But again, that wisdom and experience doesn't have to come from somebody 20 years older than me. It can come from, I've learned so much from you. I've learned so much from our meetings together and from just talking together. And so while I can't think right this second of a wonderful, like one succinct piece of advice that I've heard, mentors fill my soul. And 
I feel like I'm starting to use that phrase like over and over, like it's a little bit cliche, but Mm -mm. uh, I mean that truly. There's a business mentor of mine and to have lunch with her or coffee with her at the beginning of my business path or career, I used to think that that was a luxury, that that was something that I couldn't, I can't afford the time Mm. to take away to go meet with her. And now I understand truly that it is not a luxury, it's a necessity. I learn from her and I can find that we're traveling some of the same paths and some of the same patterns are showing up in both of our businesses. And uh, it's just nice to be able to go, huh, you too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is. Mentors are invaluable and you might find them in the most unexpected of places, truly. I know. Like that one time I was at this leadership program and I asked a question and this lady stood up and answered my question. (laughs) And now we meet for coffee once a month-ish if we're not too busy. It's great. I love it so much. You have just been such a blessing in my life and I am sure a blessing in so many other people's lives and especially the listeners today to today's podcast episode. You're amazing. Oh my gosh. I was going to say that (laughs) to you. You're amazing. So let me ask you one question. At the beginning the beginning of the year, each year, I come up with a word, one word that will set Mm. my tone for the year. And last year, my word was experience because I thought that I was going to travel the world. I was going to, I had the benefit of some experience. I had just turned 40 (laughs) and I was like, I have the benefit of some life experience and experience. I'm going to experience life. Maybe go to Paris. Maybe, you know, I mean, I had all these things planned. And then um, my life changed very suddenly and unexpectedly the end of January when this little three-year-old came into my life. And so my children are much older, but now suddenly I have a three-year-old. And so God has a funny way. He has a funny sense of humor. He's like, ah, I'll show you experience. It's going to be an experience of a lifetime, sister. And so that was my word last year. Now this year... And I hope I'm not sidetracking too much. No, this is wonderful. I love but, tangents. Uh, this year, I know you had mentioned earlier, and I appreciated it so much. I appreciated your vulnerability. You had mentioned earlier a, a bit of a depression that mm. you went through. And I was going through a bit of a depression around Christmas time as well. And uh, so at the beginning of the year this year, I set my word for the year. And my word for the year is light. Because I realized I can't be light to anybody else if I'm not feeling light myself. And so it is my goal to be a bringer of light, Mm. to bring light to others, to just shine it, to give it away, but also to feel it, to feel light within myself and to feel uh, that unbearable lightness of being, as they say, right? Yeah. And so that's my word for the year. So I have to know if you were to pick one word for your year... What do you think your word might be? Oh, my gosh. Um, do you look at it more as like an aspirational thing? You know, it's somewhat. They they say not to make it so much of a to-do list, mm. but try and – I have a friend who picked the word peace. And she said, I mm. don't want it to be peace like I want to always look to attain peace. But I want it to be sort of a litmus test that if I don't feel peace about a situation, I won't be a part of it. Or if um, something doesn't bring me peace, then I'm not going to go forth quite yet until I have peace about it. And so I – really appreciated her all-encompassing scope of that word. Oh, my gosh. Now it's like... (laughs) Now there's pressure, right? There's so much pressure to pick my word. The year I wrote my book, my word was right. Was it? It was, yep. The year I wrote my book, my word was right. And I considered using publish as my word for last year, but I have a really great friend and mentor and accountability person who said, you know, that's a little to-do listy. And I thought, wow, it really is. And that's only one thing. 
it's only one portion of my life to yeah. say publish to be my my word. So yes. I chose a different word. I chose experience. Yay, I got experience. I love that. But anyway. I tend to be a workaholic, mm-hmm. maybe just a little. Um, I've got a full-time job. I've got my podcast. I've got a family. And, and look who I'm talking to. Like A little bit of an overachiever, yeah, Sarah is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Sarah yeah, is. Preaching, preaching to like 10 choirs right oh. now <laughs> as well. But I really let myself get overwhelmed with what I thought was success. I was like hard on the heels of chasing success all throughout 2015. I Mm. launched two podcasts. I took on a new position at work. I joined a mastermind group. I became president of my church. I led a mission trip to Jamaica. You're making me tired. No. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I feel like my unspoken word for last year was success. Okay. And I don't feel like it was healthy. Judging from previous podcasts and previous conversations we've had as well, maybe your word this year is no. Okay, can I tell you something? Hmm. I was thinking that, like, while I was sipping my coffee, and I was like, no, no can't be my word because it's so negative. No can be your word. <gasps> your word for the year is no. My word for the year is no. Oh my gosh, that feels so liberating. No opens up so many doors for you to be able to live creatively, to, uh, are you getting teary? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Love you so much right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> sweetheart. So do I. Oh. No means you can follow the things that you are meant in the deepest reaches of your soul to do. Mm. And that's what's so important. Keep writing. Keep doing those things that are really, really important. Okay. Uh, officially, for every listener out there, my word for 2016 is no. I love it. And I'm going to hopefully say it a lot. You mentioned I got a little teary-eyed when you said that, but that feeling of freedom... Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm such a sentimental person. Like I see a horse running and I'm like, you know, my heart explodes. (laughs) And like, that's the feeling I get when I think of, of saying no to things, saying no to good things. But like you said, what was that quote that you said earlier? Because I think that was central. The deeper the self-love, the greater the self-protection. Yes. And saying no, I think is key to that. Protecting your soul, protecting your creativity, protecting that space that fills your soul. I think that is very good advice. And I think that is a wonderful place to end our conversation. You know what? I'm going to take that advice. I'm going to go home. I'm not going to go to that event that I was going to go to tonight. Good. I'm going to go home instead, and I'm going to do something creative. Yeah. It's a pleasure every time I talk to you. This has been incredible. I've wanted to have you on my show forever, but our schedules are so insane that we haven't (laughs) been able to make this happen. I'm so glad we did tonight. Oh, I am too. Again, Melissa Johnson is the owner of A Million Businesses and the writer of A Million Things. And I will link to (laughs) all of her wonderful things in the show notes for today's episode. Is there anything I particularly want to call out? We talked about ohmycupcakes.com. We talked about believethebestinothers.com. Yes. Yes. Um, Oh, my word. Papery.com is a new one, but I kind of like owner of a million businesses. Owner of a million businesses. I might write that on business cards. (laughs) I should get you cards printed up. That makes me sound pretty darn important. Oh, well, thank you again, (laughs) Melissa. You're so great. Thank you so much, Sarah. All right. (laughs) 